Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Tennis Express. Please check them out this week by going to EssentialTennis.com slash Express. Thank you very much for joining me on today's episode. Really happy to be back from California and back behind the mic recording a brand new episode here. We're going to be talking about using short courts or mini tennis, depending on what you may call it. Going to talk about the importance of it and also exactly how to execute it correctly before we get to that, I just want to I want to give a shout out to everybody that attended the the clinics with me these past two weeks. Amadou, Kirby, Shelley, John, Andrew, Martin, Alex, Venetia, Eddie, Troy, Carl, Jay, Roger, and Mike. It was really really a pleasure working with all of you over those two. I had two separate clinics over the last two weekends in Palm Springs, California. Great time. Even had my first international clinic attendee, Venetia, came all the way over from the UK, came over from England. So, and that just gives you all an idea of kind of the, the passion and the drive that these, the people in these groups have in general. And that's why I really love doing them. And especially since, you know, I quit my full time teaching job this past April to start working on essential tennis full time. And these are my first clinics since then. It was just really just a great reminder of just how much I love to teach and teaching people in person. It's, I mean, I, I love running the website as well, and I, I know that I'm reaching hundreds and, and thousands of people every day, and that's awesome, but there's just something about that personal interaction that's just really great also. So it was just a great two weeks. So thank you, everybody that attended, and thank you for your hard work. It was a great time. Okay. So with that, let's go ahead and get to today's topic on the podcast. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, let's get to today's topic on the podcast. And, and just one more thought on what I just talked about, but before I do, about going out to the clinic. I mean, not only was it great just doing the clinics in, in general and being there in person with these people, seeing their their motivation, their passion, their drive for the game and, and helping them in person. I mean, that's all awesome. But it really helps give me motivation to, to continue really doing what I'm doing on the site as well. I'm, you know, I'm just excited to come back, do a new podcast episode because I, I just see like right in front of me who who I'm trying to help. And it's just great making those, those connections. So really looking forward to, to today's episode. And our, and our podcast question today comes to us from Bob C. in Toronto. Bob wrote and said, I wonder if mini court would be a good topic for a podcast. Have you ever discussed it before? I found that it can be controversial, so I need to explain. So here, Bob is going to just list a couple of topics here relating to mini tennis and those are the the different areas that we're going to be that I'm going to be discussing here and kind of giving feedback on. First, what are what are its uses and purposes? 
It's more than just a good warm-up for me. It allows me to rehearse all the fundamentals, footwork, watching the ball, timing and rhythm, and all the fundamentals of technique in a slow, relaxed way without the pressure of executing full bore from the baseline. It's also a good practice for technique in itself. You can use it to work on all those fundamentals and you can get creative with the drills you do. What is the best way to do it? I've seen guys trying to do it three or four feet from the net and others standing in no man's land isn't the ideal position with your toes an inch behind the service line or so. Many rec players think all you do is hold on to your racket, uh, just hold the racket out and bunt the ball back and forth. I believe you need to work on a full swing motion, but of course with much less force. Finally, at what level would you say that you can safely dispense with mini court drills? Do top level players ever use it? I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. All right, so Bob, good questions and great topic. And yeah, I, I, and I actually pointed Bob towards a, a podcast episode in which I talked about mini tennis briefly. It was a really early one. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I, I talked about setting up a, a good quality practice session. But I haven't, I haven't just focused on mini tennis as a topic in and of itself, and it's a good one. And I'm going to break this up into four different sections. I'm going to talk about what I'm going to start at the end of Bob's topic and start there about what levels I think are, are good for mini tennis. Then I'm going to talk about the purpose of mini tennis, how to execute it, and a couple of progressions as well, ideas on ways to really execute mini tennis kind of with, with a purpose. You'll see when we get there. So let's talk, let's, let's talk about Bob's final question first. He said, at what level sh- sh- can one safely dispense with mini-quarter drills? Bob, it's an excellent drill for all levels. And I mean all levels. I, I just, uh, as I said a second ago, just got back from California j- just yesterday. And we started off each of the two clinics with pretty long sessions of mini-tennis. And, and I'm talking like half an hour, 45 minutes of mini-tennis. And at the end of those sessions, the players were, were tired. They had worked hard. They had focused on different technique elements, which we'll talk about a little bit later in today's show. And I don't think anybody would argue out of the, what do we have, 14 players over, over two weekends, that it wasn't a really good use of their time, given the fact that I gave them specific things to focus on. And, it, and so it was very, very focused and just an excellent, excellent way to begin a weekend or, or begin a hitting session. Now, I was working throughout these two clinics with players that ranged from 3-5 up through 4-5. But let me tell you, high-level players use mini tennis as well. And I would say, and, and Mark, my, my assistant in the first weekend, was talking about uh, he had the floor for a couple of minutes and he was talking about how important he, th- he thought mini tennis was. He made the comment that that really, as you advance kind of up the ranks in tennis, you will see many tennis used more, not less. And I agree with Mark on that. Thinking back to my college practices, we began with many tennis every practice. We practiced five, sometimes six times a week for two, maybe three hours per time. And we would always start with many tennis. And I'll get to the reasons why a little bit later. But, you I mean, you look at high-level players, college players, even ATP players, and you will see them use this. And it's pretty, 
you know, I don't want to say universal. It's there is some element of personal preference here. And you know, if I if I told you all well, every high level player does this, then I I would be lying. It's not true. But in general, as you move up from beginner to intermediate to advanced to beyond beyond advanced, in general, it gets used more, not less, as you climb the ranks of of tennis players. And it's because it really is useful. It's not a waste of time. And a lot of times, rec players seem to think that it is a waste of time. And it's something that, oh, beginners need. This is a drill that beginners should be using because they're not good. They're not good enough to go right back to the baseline and start hitting ground strokes. I'm good enough to do that. I can skip mini tennis. But it really is a very, very useful way to, to start off. And speaking of the pros using it, my last point here before I move on to the, the second section, I have video evidence of that. I spent a bunch of time in Cincinnati this past year at the the dual WTA slash ATP events and got a lot of practice time footage. And I have top players, top ATP and WTA players using mini tennis. So it is not just for beginner players. And I'm going to be using some of that footage in video lessons in, in the near future. So, so look for that. So moving on to the second of four parts here, purpose. What is the purpose? And Bob actually did a really nice job of, of outlining this in his question, but I'm just going to quickly touch on three different reasons why it's so good. Number one is just to warm up in general, getting your feet moving, starting slow, being relaxed. If you've ever played in any other organized sport, any other sport, you know that you always start off slow. You start off relaxed. You, you begin in, in such a way that you're getting things moving gradually. It's not a smart idea to walk onto the courts or the field or you know whatever it is that you're walking onto to compete or practice. It's never a good idea to just walk onto the playing surface and just go from zero to 100 miles an hour, you know, figuratively speaking, uh, speaking rather, from zero to full out, zero to 100%, just right off the bat. It's always a good idea to start off slow and smooth and relaxed. And that's kind of purpose number one is, is just to warm up, get your feet moving, get your body moving, get, get your racket moving, but in a smooth, slow, relaxed fashion, and then progress from there. Second, and, and all three of these really purposes here are very closely related. The second one is rhythm. And Bob touched on this, which is a really smart thing to touch on. Rhythm's really important in tennis. And you know, everybody has experienced the day on court where their rhythm is off, their timing is off, and nothing feels right. When you start using mini tennis and you, you start beginning your days with this very controlled mini way of hitting the tennis ball, you'll find your rhythm start to improve once you go back to the baseline because you're you're starting in a controlled environment and just getting the ball rolling or you know bouncing as it were in this situation in a, in a very controlled way. And so it's easy to build rhythm to to get your timing going and it's just a great way to start things off. That's the second purpose. And the third purpose is control. And we're going to talk about technique in the the next section in, in just a minute. But control, control, control. Oh my gosh. This is this is really one of the, the, the big reasons why I like to start everything off with mini tennis clinics, private lessons, whatever. Tennis starts with control. Learning how to be a good player 
starts with control. And if you skip that and you just go to power, you just go to offense, as you're beginning your journey as a tennis player, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. And within each kind of microcosm of a practice or a match, if you skip control and just go right to power, just go right to offense, then you're doing yourself a disservice. You, you should always start off with a foundation of controlling the ball. And, you know, this is also probably the number one reason why rec players kind of poo-poo the idea of mini tennis is they feel like it's below them. You know, they're, they're, they're too advanced for mini tennis. It's slow. It's easy. It's a waste of time. And yet those, ty- those players with that kind of attitude typically are, are bad at mini tennis. They're not good at it. And that's really the reason why they skip it because they're used to going out to the court, walking right to the baseline and just starting to crush the ball right away. And they have very little control. Now, not always. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that nobody who, um, does, nobody who skips mini tennis doesn't have control. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you can't have good control without doing mini tennis. All I'm saying is that mini tennis is a great way to develop control and control should be the foundation to your tennis game. Just being able to control what the ball does. Mini tennis is a great way to develop that. Okay, so that's the purpose, to warm up, to build rhythm, and to develop control. So how do we do it? How do we execute it? Well, and you know, there's varying opinions on this and varying ways of doing it. But in my opinion, the the best way of doing it is to be a step or two behind the service line and use the service boxes as your target. You don't want to stand right on top of the service line because the service box is the target. So so we're we're essentially assigning the service line as the boundary to our kind of short court. That's the short court is the service box. Now, by all means, you can begin on the service line if you like, but in general, recreational players have a hard time keeping the ball inside the boxes. They, they tend to be, at least at first, very tight and tense, and they tend to hit the ball too far. And so if you're camped out right on top of the service line and the average shot by your partner is landing close to the service line, then you're going to find yourself in kind of awkward half-volley type shot situations very, very often. So I I would recommend give yourself a little bit of breathing room. Give yourself a step or two. I'm saying like three or four feet behind the service line. And that's my favorite place to begin. That's my favorite place to have my students begin. If you've already been doing this for a while and you prefer to stand on top of the service line and you and your partner can consistently hit the very middle of the service box back and forth, back and forth, then by all means, that's perfectly fine and that's a great use of your time to begin a day of hitting or or begin your match day. Uh, But I'm just letting you know what my personal preference is and that is about two steps behind the service line. Now, Bob, you, you were really smart to point out stroke technique. And let me just simply say that if you have not used mini tennis before, then use whatever you can to just keep the ball inside the boundaries, which again are the service boxes. If that means just blocking the ball back and forth, that's fine at first. If that means using backspin and and slice to control the ball and keep it inside the box, then that's fine. Start with that. Start with whatever is most comfortable for you at first to just maintain control back and forth, back and forth. Eventually, you want this to be a mini ground stroke rally back and forth, and that means topspin technique eventually. Not that you shouldn't also hit slice uh, as you warm up, 
but this is kind of the the ultimate in in progression. The ultimate in progression is being able to use a top spin swing and control it enough to keep it inside the service boxes. So that means a regular ground stroke follow through. And and this is where you, usually things break down for recreational players is they try to do that, but they can't control the speed of their swing. And this this is a really important element to understand. The speed of swing in your technique and the length of your swing in your technique on both your forehand and backhand side are different swing elements, okay? Just because you have a full follow-through doesn't mean that your swing needs to be full speed. That's really important to understand. And when it comes to mini tennis, that's what we're trying to do is, is create a regular ground stroke swing technique on both the forehand and backhand side, but at a speed, at a, at a pace that we're able to maintain control inside the service boxes. That should be your ultimate goal. Now, again, at first, if you have a really hard time with that and you're just not comfortable with it and you, know, you can't get more than two or three in a row with a top spin swing technique then it's okay to start off just blocking the ball or using a slice. That's fine. But as you progress in your control and as you get better at this, tr- move towards a topspin swing technique. And ultimately, your goal should be to hit with topspin on both sides and maintain a comfortable rally with good rhythm and good control back and forth, back and forth. Okay? And the last point I want to make on how to execute the short court rallies is the split step. I, I, this is so fundamental and so key, and yet so many recreational players just totally skip it, and it's not acceptable in my opinion. It is not acceptable, and I, I you know, I saw the difference in this. The first weekend clinic I had uh, two weekends ago was three five and four zero players, and from the outset there, we started with mini tennis, and I think one or two players, I think it was one or two out of the six that we had in that clinic were split-stepping during mini tennis. The others were totally skipping it, just literally standing there as their partner hit the ball flat-footed. And that's not good enough. This Mini tennis should be just that, mini tennis. You should perform everything you typically do from the baseline, but you're up near the service line. And that includes the footwork, that includes the split step, and everything else that's related to footwork, getting in good position, being in good balance, etc. Well, whenever I, I get a group of players like that that aren't currently using the split step, and I, I you know, let them know about it and force them to start doing it, it, it always improves results, always. It gets you on your toes, it gets you prepared, it gets you activated, ready to move for the ball, you need to do it, and you need to do it on every shot. I, I could do a full podcast episode just on the split step. I'm not going to go any further than that right now. Just please know you need to do it, okay? Please, <laughs> just for my own, just for my own sanity. When I when I walk around, you know, in the park, I, I want to see everybody using the split step. Please, I'm tired of seeing everybody skip that part. It's it's an essential. It really is. Okay, so there's uh, three out of four sections. Last one is just progressions. So um, the first thing is control. As I mentioned earlier in this outline, it all starts with control. It comes down to control. That should be really the base, the foundation of your game. And so that's what you should start off with. And 
in the clinics I ran over these past two weekends, we began with shooting for 20 in a row back and forth inside the service boxes. And be strict about this. If the ball lands past the service line, go back to zero. If it lands in the doubles alley, go back to zero. If somebody has to volley the ball and it doesn't bounce, go back to zero. The ball should land inside the service boxes, back and forth every shot. That is your goal. So go for 20 in a row. If you go out with with a practice partner and you try this for the first time tomorrow or, or whenever after listening to this episode, and you can only get four, five, or six in a row before somebody screws up, just make 20 your goal at first. Don't do anything else. Just get 20 first before you add anything else to this. There's a lot of other ways that we can progress beyond just being consistent, but start with that. Start with that. You can also do changes in direction. You can go cross court. So both players aim for the deuce side service box or the ad side service box, back and forth, back and forth. And again, try for 20 in a row. You can also make these competitive points. Be the last one that I mentioned here. And we did this in both clinics. We started off with just consistency. And then after, after we, we talked about the split step, after we talked about technique, and everybody had a pretty good rhythm going back and forth, then we went to points. And again, no volleys. The ball has to bounce. Only the service boxes are in. And you're trying to beat your opponent. And this takes a lot of maturity as a player. It takes a lot of patience as a player to have only that small piece of court and try to win a point without getting impatient and like going for a winning shot. You just need to be consistent and try to outlast your opponents. And it's an excellent, excellent way to begin a practice session is warming up, getting 20 in a row, and then playing out maybe a game up to 10 and add a little bit of pressure there, add a little bit of element of technique there. And it's just an excellent way to, to begin a day of practice or competition. All right, so there you go, mini tennis podcast episode. So uh, again, the four sections were, number one, it's an excellent drill for all levels. Number two, the purpose of it, to warm up, develop rhythm, and develop control. Number three, how to execute it, two steps behind the service line or so. Uh, Stroke technique, ultimately, you want to gravitate towards topspin swing on both sides, and please use a split step, please. And then progressions. There's different ways of of also using mini tennis, and you know, be be creative. But start off with just very simple and just be consistent first. So, Bob, there you go. Thank you so much for submitting your question in Toronto. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for being a listener. Hopefully, this was helpful to you. And if you need anything further, please don't hesitate to let me know. does it for episode number 196 of the essential tennis podcast thank you so much for joining me today no matter when you happen to be listening to this show maybe you're commuting in your car or working out or sitting at your office behind your your computer whenever you happen to be listening thank you so much for for being a listener i I really appreciate your time and i hope that today's episode has been helpful if it has been do me a favor and check out the, the sponsor of the show. That is Tennis Express. You can check them out by going to EssentialTennis.com slash Express. That'll shoot you right on over to Tennis Express, which is it's one of the best places online to get any kind of tennis gear and equipment that you could possibly want. 
rackets, strings, shoes, clothing, whatever you need, they've got it over there. And when you make a purchase after going to that link, then a small percentage comes back to help support the Essential Tennis Podcast. So please check them out. Uh, Real quickly, I want to read a comment that was left on episode number 195, which was a replay about beating pushers. Definitely one of the most popular topics that that has been used on the podcast. Uh, That and mental tennis have probably been the the two most popular topics. So I want to read this comment from Redberg. I'm sorry, Red Bird, uh, Craig. Craig wrote and said, Pushers were the bane of my tennis existence until I decided to take a different approach to them. Instead of fearing their ability to get every ball back, I tried to take the approach that they wouldn't hurt me if I didn't hit a forcing shot. That seemed to take some of the pressure off me. I'm an attacking player, and having the mindset I had before that they that they were that they're going to get every ball back so I have to force the action rushed me into stupid errors what I try to do not always successfully of course is to try to think of attacking a pusher like catching a bus if I miss one opportunity to get on the bus and come forward and attack another one is going to come along shortly so I don't sweat it just as they're going to push uh, push back my best shots, which is frustrating. They also usually aren't going to do much if I give them a short ball. Heck, sometimes that confuses them as now they're forced into a decision as whether or not to come forwards. Okay, Craig, good good comments there. And, and it's definitely a balancing act. I totally agree with you that you don't want to overdo it on one hand and get all crazy and super offensive and aggressive because you're thinking, oh, I it's a pusher. I got to put it away. Got to put it away. And you start aiming for the lines and that plays right into their strategy of hoping that you make mistakes. And it absolutely happens really often to, to recreational players when they're trying to beat a pusher. But then you take the flip side of the coin, the, the player who tries to beat a pusher at their own game and gets too complacent and says, oh yeah, well, I too can play at this game and they try to outlast the pusher. And that's usually a terrible idea as well because it plays right into the strategy. That's exactly what the pusher wants is to, I mean, they would love to play that same shot over and over and over again. That's what they do best. And it sounds like what you're, and I agree with what you're saying here. You're saying on one hand, on one hand, don't overpressure, don't overdo it because I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. Usually that's what happens. But on the other hand, you know, uh, don't be too complacent. And I'm not saying that that's what you said here, because you said, wait for the next opportunity. But I'm almost a little nervous here that you're saying, oh, just wait for the next bus. Wait for the next bus. Well, if you keep missing bus after bus, and and you kind of just get comfortable sitting there on the bench, then you're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> just kind of carrying that uh, metaphor, uh, you know, along to the next level. So I, I, like, I like the way you're thinking. Just make sure that eventually you do come up with some way to be offensive and you do come up with some way to attack consistently. Otherwise, you'll find yourself just playing their game. And that's not what you want because that's what they're good at. That's their style of play. So Redberg, uh, Red, I keep saying Redberg, Redbird Craig, thank you so much for leaving your comment and uh, good stuff. Thanks for being a listener. I appreciate it. If you have any comments or questions on today's episode, number 196, please leave those by going to EssentialTennis.com slash podcast. Click on episode 196. Leave your thoughts and comments there. I uh, try to reply to most of them, and I'll read one or two of those 
um, posts at the end of next week's show. So until then, thank you very much for listening. Take care and good luck with your tennis.